Hey now, welcome to the City Off Campus podcast with your two favorite hosts, Sammy Sommerfeld and Jack McFarland. So Jack, before we start off the pod, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. I finally made a decision on where I'm ending up. You know, I've talked about the job stuff a little bit on and off, but after 17 years away, I am coming home and taking my talents back to Chicago. So now, Jack... You're gonna have to get used to some Wrigley visits. Kind of upset, you, but you're you gonna get dragged. You didn't use the YMCA gymnasium background for your Zoom background to make. I this debated it, but I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> so it's like monologue or or background. It's a give and take. Yeah, but I mean, 17 you, years away from Chicago, making my return home. You get to come home to the to the best and worst city in the world. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a love hate relationship I have with that bitch in Chicago. I, I'd do anything for it, but God, that city would will do anything back to you sometimes. Well, I just saw a post today from Forbes, and right now, the world's best cities in 2022, number one's Edinburgh, um, Edinburgh Scotland, and then yeah. number two is Chicago. <laughs> but then you want to have a number three? You want to have a number three? Which I'm like, this is a weird list, and this is where I'm like, I don't know what they're considering for best cities, is... um. Medellin, Colombia as number three. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, so <laughs> Edinburgh, Escobar. Scotland's got great beer and whiskey, you know, Scottish rye, good ideas. Chicago, obviously, every sports team, Malort, um, great food, great, Italian beef, life. pizza. Yeah, right. And then you go to Medellin, Colombia, and they have great cocaina. Like, what else do you need in that top three list? So, no, Forbes definitely has it fucked up. Chicago. Love it to death. Not a top three city in the in the world right okay. now. Okay, I would say, but I'm excited for you to come. In your globe, in your thank you. Um, but for your global rankings, though, where would you put Chicago? Like, what would the range be? Would you put it through one to ten, ten to twenty, twenty to thirty? Look, it would be a one to ten because I don't know if there's many places like in Europe or South America that can truly hold a candle to Chicago. Like in in South America, it's like like Sao Paulo or Buenos Aires, like those don't hold a candle to Chicago. And then you go to like Paris and yeah, they have the Eiffel Tower. It does that really beat the bean? I don't know. That's worthy of a debate. Um, but you can't see yourself in the Eiffel Tower. No, you sure can't. You sure can't. Exactly. Um, no, it's a top 10 city in the world. No doubt. And like, I just say that because Chicago, like it is so awesome, but there are so many parts of it where you're just like, God, the city can just, needs a fit foe sometimes figure it the fuck out but hey like this is my one example of chicago needing to figure it the fuck out they just lost the bears you know it's like they just screwed that that yep. puppy up you know yep. and, and you you would hope for a city like that they could keep the bears but they just lost them to a suburb like they really yep. did so yep. um but all in all yeah good fucking city i'd take i mean if it comes down to la chicago or new york we all know which one's the best chicago is the dub Chicago has the dub. Chicago so, yeah. is a beach. Talk <laughs> Big, about LA. Chicago is the beach. Yeah. No smog, a beach. Does um, LA have the playpen? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> you, you you get earthquake shakes every now and then, but that's that's as much excitement as you'll get in LA. Exactly. And um talking about you know Chicago and Chicago teams. Yesterday was the MLB trade deadline. We're recording the morning afterwards on August 3rd. So which which team are we talking about first? South side or north side? Um 
Let's talk north side because I have a question okay. for you. Okay. So the Cubs traded Scott Efres. They traded David Robertson. David Robertson. They traded that uh, Chavis guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chris Martin as well. So a bunch of pitchers. They didn't trade Happer Contreras, right? And I mm-hmm. get like fans. I don't know how Cubs fans feel about this. I have one friend, biggest Cub fan ever. We need to get him on probably. He he was beside himself that Wilson and Ian were still on the team after being like strung along that yep. they were going to be yep. traded. And I get that. But I feel like I would be upset not because of like their emotions, but because like I feel like they traded a tier lower in terms of player than like what Wilson and Ian could get you. And it's like, if you're really all the way in on this, like rebuild, you're not a Contreras or a half away from like making this happen. So why aren't you trading them? You know, I don't, yeah. I didn't get how maybe there wasn't a deal good so enough and Jed's Jed, eyes, but like, so what Jed what said, so what Jed said was the prospects that, so they were saying like last year when they pulled all the trades, when they just, you know, traded Rizzo, sold Baez, sold Brian, all those guys, they were getting prospects and compensation in return that they were really excited about and really believed in. But the issue with this group was they just thought people were underbuying for contrary, like, like kind of like what the White Sox, there were a ton of teams that just weren't in a desperate need to buy if they were trying to push to contend. So they're like, if the market isn't at that desperate buying rate, why would we trade these guys for a prospect that we don't love when we could put for Wilson a qualifying offer where we get a you know the 40th pick in the draft instead we get to choose who we want to develop rather than just taking what we can get but we might not be sold on them so from that standpoint I really you know kind of liked it the other thing too was um Ian Happ has a year of control left still so the thing too is, is like even in the off season, they could deal him if they want to, and there could be even a higher value depending on how he plays the rest of the year out. So from that standpoint, I do like that they weren't just normal Cubs where we're making moves now because we have to, or here's the plan, here's this, we got to sell. But at the same time, you know, if we were to sell them, would I have liked to see a shiny, shiny new prospect out of, you know, both of them? Of course. Um, because then that just accelerates things. Because the pitchers we shipped off, we got some really good quality pitching and prospects out of that. Where I really am excited now about the first time in six years where I feel like we really have quality pitching in our minor league ranks now. Like we got the Yankees number seven prospect, we got a few other guys. I think we got a decent guy from the Phillies, um, and so forth. And we got to when we trade Chris Martin, we got a guy from the Dodgers who he was killing it in triple a and he just kind of need that opportunity to be a full-time major leaguer and we can give him that opportunity and we kind of get to see it's a low risk you know trade where he was batting over 300 i think and playing really well so you know they made some moves i'm happy with where they might be small now but could be major factors down the road but you know the thing for me too with not trading wilson is there's hope we sign him like for me if we can keep him as a cornerstone of the franchise, even if we're not in full contention the next five years where it's kind of bumps in the roads up and down, we're bringing people on. I don't really think it's a bad thing to have a locker room guy like that, who is a consistent catcher. He's been in our system for 16 years. He's literally like, he is the modern Mr. Cup. 
Like, you know, everybody put down Rizzo. He was the cat, you know, the captain of the team. But Contreras has been a cub for life, right? You know, oh yeah. I mean, if point. you well, the, here's a question, Sam. Like you you trade these players away if you're the Cubs, like hypothetically, and you still have another 80 games, whatever, to like play and 40 at home that you need to fill. Like, honestly, who is the face of the Cubs if Contreras really isn't there? Like, I couldn't tell wisdom, Schwindel, like that's Kyle not- Hendricks. Morel? Yeah, Kyle Hendricks. Well, like, and the thing is, like, I would say Morel, but it's too early to give him that title. Right. You know? And and so I think, half a I think there is still some, like, smart business that was done there, too, where, yeah, like, people people get up for Wilson Contreras. I don't know if they get up for Ian Happ, if they're a Cubs fan, but they get up for Contreras, yeah. and they ride or die. Ooh. And to have him still there, I think that keeps some sort of emotional attachment to this team that – quite frankly, has no reason for people to really be emotionally attached. Like, it went from that Seiya Suzuki excitement at the beginning of the year to he got hurt, then the Cubs realized what they were, and then there was like, oh, fuck, we might trade everyone, and now we're we're okay now. We're okay. And here's the thing, though, is, like, when Seiya does come back and, like, be a full, like, you know, to his full form in the next, you know, rest of the season or even next year, I mean, that's going to be a guy who's going to be a franchise cornerstone that people are pumped about. Um but, you know, like, one of the big things is right now, the Cubs are eighth in MLB attendance right now, losing the way we've been losing. And people are coming partially because Contreras and some of those guys are still there where they're like, there's still a bit of that team left that we can support. And it's the Chicago Cubs, like, you know. So it's just like when you're selling out games when you're losing like that, at least have some of those names that people can go out and support and just individually root for if they're not, you know, if they know the Cubs aren't going to be that competitive, you know? Yeah, no, and, and I, I pull up the same list that you're looking at. The White Sox are 18th in the yep. MLB right now. And it's and, and you have, like, Dylan Cease and the Cy Young contention. And you I, have, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Dylan Cease was the only pitcher in the league to hit – I don't even know how many strikeouts it was by the All-Star break, 150 maybe, and he didn't reach the All-Star game. You look at the White Sox on paper, and they have a legit All-Star team, and they can't put people in the seats because they just underperform. I went to the game Monday night. We were talking off air, and there was the video of Tony Larusa against the Royals. Like he was Bummer. fucking losing it in the bottom of the first inning. Like we're going up to bat. Tim's about to lead off, and he's like, "Got a babe." Like waking up when Tim's like leaving the dugout, and I'm, I, Rossi would never be sleeping on the boys. I, I I have to say though, I kind of have the same feeling you do where I'm happy the White Sox didn't do what they usually do at the deadline. Like the Cubs usually do where like they trade everything away to like recoup and just sell whatever new generation. The Sox usually trade like and do not like what the Braves did last year, but they try and make a couple moves that fill the holes. And you saw it last year with Kimbrell, Hernandez, um, Tapera, they didn't do it this year, and I'm not – I mean, they got one. They got Jake Diekman, the lefty from Boston, who I'm not totally against that move because they need another lefty arm in the pen. It's always yeah. good. You could always just say, like I've talked I on the pod. That was, any lefty, that was a very safe move. Any like lefty – yeah, any lefty you can get is a smart – I think a smart move. Just like for your bullpen. Any lefty is good. But for Chuck sure. Garfine put out a tweet that kind of made me happy – ish about the mm-hmm. trade so this is jake diekman i don't know if it's this year last year years combined i don't know but it's him against 
divisions in baseball. And against the AL East, he has a 9.2 ERA in 14 innings pitched. Against everyone else, he's got a 1.0 ERA with 24 innings pitched. I don't know how the fuck that is. Maybe like Aaron Judge, John Carlo, and everyone else in the East just like eats his ass. And so does Vladdy. And he just needs to get out of there. But he came in last night, had a two Ks. He looked good. And I'm happy that the Sox didn't try and jump all the way over the top and do something. If there was anything, get like David Peralta, but he got traded to, I think, the Astros or the Rays. He was a lefty outfielder. But at the end of the day, like the White Sox have every single player they need. It's just, can they fucking play and win? And I went to the game Monday. There is just a lack of... It almost, and this is such a cliche to like thing to say about sports, but it feels like there's almost a lack of accountability on the team where I don't know if they can truly sit back and say, somebody's going to get on my ass if I don't like run out this ground ball or if I do this or that. Like I was, I was downtown Thursday night and the Sox played the A's and TA got thrown out because he like hit his brim on the umps um hat I mean, he was arguing like a high strike on an, it was an 01 count i think maybe 00 and he argued a fucking strike and he got thrown out in like the bottom of the 6th you can't do that when you're down by 2 yeah. especially when you're two games at back at that point from the division lead there's just like no accountability like this team just feels compared to that feel of dreams year there's not that same type of like we're going to fuck shit up it's like, mm-hmm. how are we going to fuck ourselves up now? And that's not a good feeling. So I'm glad they didn't like sell themselves to the devil for this yeah, year. For sure. Because I think there's still opportunity to like maybe fix this year, but I'm not holding out hope. I think truly the problems go beyond this year and you have to fix it this off season. And it probably starts with Tony. I hope I hope if Han, they don't get rid of Tony. I know like, they, they, they really do. Like that's, that, that is a foregone conclusion. I think that he has to go. Like it's, I've defended him for too long. I've said the manager really can't be that much, but when the clubhouse and just the team looks that dead right now, like you got to make some sort of change. And you see and, like the blue Jays and the Phillies and someone else, like they've made managerial changes and they've like won eight of eight or yeah. they've gone eight, eight and two and 10. And it's like, well, why can't the white Sox? Maybe think, think about doing something like that. I think because who Tony is, they'll not never fire him midseason unless some of course. crazy scam. Well, happened. it took Hawk Harrelson 45 years ago to fire him, and nobody right. will know why. You know, and it's it we're just stuck in this situation where we know how good the team is. You look at it on paper and it's like, what the fuck? Like, why why can't we do anything? And they just they don't have the young players that come up and give us a spark. They don't this just this year feels like they're dragging their way to the end and it feels like it's the twins division to win unless they actually get their shit together but look if if Eloy's back now Tim I think he's gonna get suspended I don't know when that whole situation's gonna happen I don't know if he already has I don't fucking care it's so stupid Luis had like headaches and he felt nauseous maybe he was pregnant I don't know he's back now um Lance Lynn's finally back. I like the team's finally getting somewhat healthy, but I just don't know where to go. I mean, we're in like stuck in limbo. We're we're stuck in legit limbo. And unless they like actually get hot and the bats get going, like it's just gonna be sleepwalking to this finish line. So I'm I'm happy with the trade deadline because there is like, what are they gonna do? Sell 
It's like, no, you're, right. you're too close to contending to sell, but you're too, there's not enough to like give up to buy either. Well, and that's one reason I liked the moves the Cubs made too, where like they signed a guy like David Robertson, who's a 37 year old reliever, where if he performs well, great. Plus that was a great risk like signing because he just came off tommy john and he was the world baseball classic he did well as the closer Mm -hmm. so like that was a smart move that they like cap that's a move that the white Sox usually do where they like trade a release gonna say yeah they usually do that totally and And, so yeah you know even the value in chris martin some of these other guys that they were able to get i was honestly very impressed because even though they weren't the flashy moves they were the right moves for where the cubs are at now where you know, David Robertson is the type of guy that I wish we had on our team four years ago when we needed pitching. Desperate. Oh, no, he was good four years ago when we traded him to Washington with Eaton for Giolito, Reynaldo, and Dane Dunning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, you know, some of these moves the Cubs made him, like we're now buying and selling pitching like how we should have like way back when, right? But, which is annoying. But like, you know, I think both teams did what they had to do without putting too much on the line. Like I think yeah. for the Cubs – trading wilson and they let's say they could only get a top 20 prospect for wilson that's not worth it no like, it has to be a because, top 10 but that's like a rental catcher to, yeah. and it's a tough that's a tough ask yeah but then on top of that too though they give him a qualifying offer wilson's like you know what we're not negotiating a contract the cubs are like we're not negotiating a pro- contract we don't want to invest in you they're getting still a top 40. Top well, I hope pick. I hope the Cubs don't fuck up like the White Sox did with Rodon because we had that opportunity. We didn't qualify him. And now the Giants They're fucked qualifying up him for sure. Well, they are, but he's going to walk. He's going to walk because they gave him a player option on his second year. And he's like, dude, I'm balling this year. I'm going to go get like 28 mil, 25 mm. mil. So he's going to leave. But the White Sox could have had him qualified. He wouldn't have taken it, but they would have gotten the pick. Yeah. But instead, they just let him fucking walk. And it's like, can can the Cubs just make the right move and like extend that qualifying offer like the Sox didn't? It just I'm it's such a it's such a simple like decision almost that like yeah, unless the player is so terrible where like you know it's a pitcher and they're pitching like a five plus ERA or something where you're like you know what if we if they take this qualifying offer, we're screwed. Like we're not going to get anything for them. Yeah. But if it's like a player who's like, you know, mid thirties, late twenties, it's a no brainer, total no brainer. And I hope, yeah, Wilson's definitely deserving of that qualifying. I mean, he's, he's, I'd say bar none, one of the biggest psychopaths in baseball. (laughs) You want him on your team. You know, he's the type of guy you want on your team and you don't want to play against. So I think he's worth every single penny. Um, speaking of another guy, it's worth every single penny. We didn't even start the show with it and it's pretty silly of us, but the biggest trade in our generation so far, the Juan Soto trade to the Padres Soto and Josh Bell traded to the nationals for Luke Voigt, Mackenzie Gore, CJ Abrams, an outfielder, Robert Hassel, the third James Wood, who's some 19 year old Sam, who's mm-hmm. six, seven, two fifty. Like Insane. what the fuck? And then some guy named Jarlin Susana who throws a hundred. They got five players, and then they traded Hosmer to the Red Sox for money because they just wanted to get rid of his contract. The Padres got Josh cool. Hader, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Brandon you know, Drury. I couldn't believe they got Hader. That was the biggest thing for me. Is like obviously Soto, but like getting a guy like Hader when they already have some good relief pitching as is. 
I mean, they're going to try to make a run this year and next year, obviously, but I'm glad that haters out of the NL Central, I can tell you that much. Yeah, that but. that deal for the Brewers, it was interesting because the Brewers had to put out like a PR statement within mm-hmm. 10 minutes of that trade, and they were like, look, we know the fans are upset. We, this gives us, they literally said in their statement, in quote, this gives us more bites at the apple. And I thought that was interesting because they traded for Taylor Rogers from the Padres, yep. who was their closer at the time, who's number two in the National League and saves. Haters, number one. Mm-hmm. Rogers won't be the Brewers closer, but he makes yeah. way less than Hater. Hater has been iffy the last like two years, but the Padres see him and they're like, dude, we're 10 back of the Dodgers. We could have every ability to win eight of our next 12 games against the Dodgers, actually go on a run and maybe contend for a wild card or the division. If they think they're going to win the division, it's insane, but they've won Soto for another two and a half years. Hater for another year and a half. They have Clevenger, Darvish, Musgrove. They just extended. I think they still have Manaya. Like they just, they have such a good team that I'm excited that the Padres are actually giving the the Dodgers a run for their money in the in the West. And like I remember last year, the Giants had like a hundred and like five or six wins, and everyone's like, oh, they're lit. That that was an anomaly, and I'm yeah. I'm confused on how the Giants didn't sell at the deadline because like, they they have no business I think being like or thinking they're contenders like at all. Um, so like Rodon staying with the Giants as well, that was just like I I would have traded was, him if I yeah, were them. I you know, like I just I feel like yeah, but if they can, I don't even know. I don't know if they have the qualifying offer opportunity with Rodon. I think it's kind of like a he can just opt out of his player option and walk. Um, But Padres, I think it's just cool for baseball that another team who, first off, Padres are not a big market, like by any stretch of the imagination. They have proven to the MLB how to get the best players. You have to sacrifice everything in your farm system, but but they did it. But part of that too is all these teams have money. It's just if they choose to spend it or not, like the Marlins sign Stanton to that huge contract, you know, it was 13 years, 300 plus million dollars. And I think, you know, unless you're the Oakland A's that get absolutely no attendance, I think any other team can basically afford it. I mean, Tampa has done the opposite where they just find value in, you know, lower value players, but know how to utilize them through analytics and just crush it every year. Just they find the value in insane ways playing the money ball game. Speaking of speaking of the Rays, you put you speak of Moneyball, and like they're always you don't want to make a trade with them, you don't want to like Mm -hmm. do anything with the Rays. They designated Brett Phillips for assignment, and my brain goes, White Sox pick him up right now. Gold Glover, lefty fucking pitcher, like guys will love him. He gets picked up by the Orioles, and like a fucking course, like that's such an Orioles pickup. Yep. But like the Rays have to know something if they're getting rid of Brett Phillips. Like that's just like Mm -hmm. he was he was like a an all star, I think. For yeah, some reason. Right, right. And he's batting. Like, I, I don't think he's batting anything close to 200, but fuck, bring him into the South side. They didn't. Um, the Rays, they're, they're, look, they're in the same situation as the White Sox, which is scary because mm-hmm. if you pull, if you told me like the White Sox and the Rays had to play in the wild card, I think the Rays sweep them. And it's just like a terrifying thought of mine. But they're, like, in the same situation. The Rays have been hurt all season, and they're still fucking, like, above 500 in the hardest division. And the White Sox are, like, right there, and they didn't do anything, and the Rays did way more. 
I don't know. I think the AL is way more shaky and like volatile right I mean, now than the, the NL. AL, yeah, well, the AL East right now, every team in the AL East is over 500. <laughs> which is insane like the red sox are in last place they're 53 and 52 yeah, that's like, like that's like the white sox <laughs> and then white sox are 52 and 51 yep they're third um i mean the astros are killing in their division but seattle's you know seattle's trying to make moves to make the playoffs yeah seattle um, they traded for luis castillo gave up yeah two of their top five prospects for him and then just a couple bold. other because if cool. I were because if I were them, I would have waited one more year, brought one or two of those guys back, you know, up with you know Julio, see how they're playing, and if you want to trade them, trade them. But I I think last year, I think them missing the playoffs last year in terrible fashion left a very sour taste in everyone's mouth. Of yeah, we were this close, and the team had so much excitement, and now that like Julio Rodriguez like proves who he was in the home run derby, they're like, let's fucking go, yeah. let's just go, yep. and Which I like I it. I well, wish though. Well, I think it would have been really cool though if Kyle Seager was still here for it, because like, because he retired, of course. This Mr. Mr. Right. Mariner almost feel like this would just be a good year for him to well, live it up. Well, the other thing that's interesting too about the Padres and doing what they did is, um, you know, you have the Dodgers in your division. So when the Dodgers have the most money, best talent, all that. You're never going to win a World Series if you can't buy that talent to compete with it, match right. it, or exceed it. Right. So I think them going all in long term is, you know, it's worth it. I mean, Machado is there for a while. Tatis is there for a while. Soto hopefully will sign a long term deal. I mean, the thing that would be crazy is if he's there for three years, they do nothing with him, and then they have to move him and have to trade. Deadline. So I really do think he doesn't sign an extension with them i think he will get traded after these two and a half years once his arbitration's up so i think it's it's either they have to win a world series in yep. this like two and a half years with him or else i don't think they re-sign him and it's and for him too though to move to san diego as the place where your base is not a bad deal i think that's where if, no. to me it reminds me of the miami heat when you know they were taking off you know with braun and all them is like you get to play in South Beach, like yeah. it's, you know, it's not it's a, good, a hardcore it's, fan yeah. base, but you get to live in Miami, you get to play basketball with top talent guys, and you get to live in the, like you know, especially in a, as a baseball player, you want to live in that type of climate. Plus, but, um, it, like the management for the Heat at that time, Pat Riley and whoever their GM was, is Pat Riley was he the GM at the time or was there someone he's else? He's the president. He was yeah. president, so I they were uber aggressive to make that happen. And the Padres in the last five years have literally done the exact same. Yeah, like, totally. let's build this fucking thing together. I'll be honest, when Machado signed there, I dismissed it like, oh, he's just going to a crappy team to take the paycheck, and that's it. Well, let's it was see yeah, what they're was, building. Yeah, I mean, they paid Musgrove a hundred mil. They to, they pay, they paid know. Hosmer like one fifty when that whole right, Machado that thing happened. happened. But they just re-signed Musgrove to a five-year extension, I mean, which was awesome to see. But you know what I'd compare the Soto trade to a little bit is, you know, Tatis and Soto go way back to their teenage years, and now they're talking about how they got to play together again, whatever. Now it's kind of friends, and let's make a run while we can. Mm. The two trades I would compare it to, one in football, one in um, baseball, is when Javi went to the Mets to play with Lindor. You know, that they're very close friends, and they finally got to play together for half a season. But, mm. you know. They made that move. But the one I think that's more comparable is when OBJ got traded to Cleveland. How so? 
I mean, just like in terms of Ed excitement Baker, and the potential, excitement potential yeah. where that team was finally getting to a contender standpoint where they were building that defense with you know Miles Garrett. They it had it Baker, turned into one of those. They had moments. Jarvis. They had you know you know they had Njoku who was fine at the time. They had the running game already with Chubb. Like you know when they added OBJ, everybody's like, oh shit, this team could actually be a little scary in the AFC North. They started to like tweet out the lineups and like the starting like offense and yeah. defense and like look at this list of names like who beats them like they're doing that with the Padres now and it's like you go you go Tatis Machado Soto in whatever order like that's the best three hitters in baseball that you have to go against. Yep, totally. You put anything like if you put Josh Bell in front of Machado like that's a guy that'll walk, eat pitches, and then yep. get on base like that's totally. At that point, they have such a deep, tough lineup, not to mention they were able to keep Trent Grisham, Cronenworth, Uh, Alfaro, every pitcher. They have everything they need to actually be competitive for the next two years. Uh, The NL is wide open right now. Like there's the Dodgers and then everybody else, and that's where they can like make a run is beating anybody else to get to the Dodgers. the The NL is tough, though. I do think because like when you look at the wild card, you have the Braves who it, they have to overtake the Mets. And I don't know yeah. if that'll happen, but they're seven and a half games over the Phillies and the Padres are in the wild card as well. They're three and a half games over the Phillies and Cardinals, the wild card in the national league. It comes down to, can the giants make a push? I don't think they can. Can the Cardinals continue to push? I, I think, think they, they can. They will. I the Phillies, the Cardinals make the I think the Phillies slip out of here. Um, so it's like, it's, I don't it's, think the Phillies yeah. make the playoffs. So it's Cardinals, Padres, and Braves to figure out this wild card, truly. Yeah. Um, and the Marlins have already kind of bowed out, so they're out of the picture. They weren't going to make a cute little run at the end. So, tr- I mean, the National League, while it is, like, I think the races, they're a little more spread out, but I think the stakes are a little oh, higher. Oh, yeah. That's how it always is in the yeah. NL, though, is yeah. the stakes are super high. There's only a threshold of three, four teams that are really in the wild card chase compared to the AL, where it's like everybody's divided by a game, like literally a game. And it's like, okay, this team's over 500. They're all way over 500 compared to the NL, where it's like they're barely over 500, but they're still in it. So let's see what shakes out. And then they get knocked out. But, um, the other move made by an AL team that I liked was um, Trey Mancini to the Astros. That was my favorite move of the trade deadline. That was my uh, literal was favorite move of the entire deadline. Especially because Camden Yards, they moved the left left field wall back. And you saw in Mancini's production, he only hit 10 home runs so far this year. And that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, so I'm really curious to see what he does in that Astros ball. Oh, definitely. I mean, in I, the playoffs. I, I play, I mean, I play MLB the show. I started a franchise with the Orioles. It is so fucking hard to hit a ball out to left field. It is so yep. deep. You yep. play you play in Houston. You can hit a ball 340 on a line and get it out in left field. And it's like Trey Mancini is a home run derby batter. He's a great hitter. He could play outfield and first. Yep. If the Astros don't like what they're seeing from Yuli Gurriel at first base, who, I mean, he was a batting champ last year. He's like 37. Yep. Play Trey Mancini every yep. fucking game. Or – if you really get scared and you're like, I want to p- like pinch hit Trey Mancini in a game. Wow. 
you have an all-star to pinch hit. It's Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini is that one. He's like one of those names. He's not like Joey Votto, but he's one of those names where he's been on a bad team his whole career. So now you get to see him do something in like a relevant competitive situation. It's like, all right, let's see. Everybody loves Trey Mancini. So it's going to be weird, I think, for fans of baseball to see Trey Mancini on the Astros and go, shit. Like, I got to root for this guy, it's, but it's yeah. on the Astros. Well, it's like when, like, Boogie Cousins went to the Warriors. Yep. Where everybody's like, oh, shit. Like, he was on a crappy team, but put up numbers. Let's see what he does here. And obviously, he got hurt and stuff. But, you know, it was the excitement of it all. But one fun fact I want to drop on today with the trade deadline is the Nationals since 2018 have lost Harper, Rendon, Scherzer, Trey Turner, Soto. Five all-star high caliber, three three potential all famers minimum at a minimum. Can like you know everybody you know roast the Cubs for the moves made last year? How do you sell your entire franchise like that? Blah 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 blah. How don't you pay them? The Nationals who won a World Series even more recently lost their young franchise star who's like really young. They lost Scherzer who's a Hall of Fame pitcher who I thought would pitch there for the rest of his career. Right, and you know. Obviously, Bryce Harper was the first, you know, he was the player who put them on the map in the first place. So it's just, you know, crazy to see, you know, who they sold in the last four years. Like, it, if I was a fan, yeah. it would just be, the there'd be so many what ifs. There'd oh, so t- many tons what-ifs. of what ifs. But I think the, the best thing, like, that national fans can always just kind of sit back on. And it's it's similar it's to the future. They moved to the future. You know, no, it's similar to, like, what the Cubs did I mean they won the World Series they're like okay I mean we can't keep the window together forever so they're they're moving on and and it hurts but they really ripped the band-aid off hard yeah real hard and it was quick oh no it it, it was abrupt and and I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the Nationals made the decision at that time after the World Series Rendon was the MVP and they were like okay we gave Strasburg this gigantic extension who actually has turned out to like just never pitch yeah. They traded Scherzer to the Dodgers and they got a fucking boatload. They traded yeah. Turner to the Dodgers and they got a boatload. boatload. They traded Soto to the Padres and got a boatload. Bryce Harper walked. So that hurt. Yeah. They sh- like for them not to trade Harper is like that hurt. And I don't know how that whole situation unfolded, but like I look at, man, I look at the Nationals roster right now, like today. Um, I'll go through the order. And it's bad. I mean, Victor Robles, not bad. He's an okay young center fielder. Yeah. He's just not everything. Cesar Hernandez, yeah. fuck that guy. Old Luke Voigt, Yadiel Hernandez. And I feel bad for Luke Voigt because he wasn't yeah. going to be traded. And then Hosmer, Hosmer just completely screwed him <laughs> by saying, "I'm not going to Washington, even though I'm getting traded regardless." <laughs> yeah, yeah. See you, Luke. You can you can go over to Washington. Yeah, that's. I, I can't wait Would for the 30 for 30 Luke about Boyd, that one. Where you've come so close to winning a World Series with the Yankees, then you get put, you know, you're in San Diego where, oh, they might make a run. And you get dumped to Washington. Yeah, no, that's that's like Horrible. getting that's like getting sent to Ottawa in the NHL. Completely. Um, but you continue to go down the lineup. Nelson Cruz, really, at 42, is still mm-hmm. playing. Like they don't have any business having him. Lane Thomas, he's good. I still think good. he takes steroids, Nelson Cruz. He does. He was probably grandfathered in. They're like, you're good for yep. baseball, so we'll yep. let you do it. Um, Luis Garcia, some young shit, 22. 
uh, Kybert Ruiz, the catcher they traded for, for Scherzer. And then Michael Franco, who was like shipped out of Philadelphia because they wanted to shoot him. Yeah. This team is just full of people who are castaways and people that aren't allowed to pitch or play on another Island competitive of team. Island of Misfit Toys. They are. And, and Mackenzie Gore is officially like their number one or two on their like starters. And yep. that's, I mean, he was a number five in, in San Diego. So it just and they shows gave like, Patrick Corbin that money that could have just gone to one of these guys. Pat, yeah. And traded. Patrick Corbin like, has been absolutely terrible, too. He's like been horrible. One of the worst pitchers, I think, in baseball. Um, yeah, he's horrible. So, yeah, if, if you think your team's bad or your situation's bad, just, just look in Washington. Look in Washington. You know, the joke used to be Baltimore, but it's now it's now Washington. Baltimore is actually really be, fun to watch. Yeah. Used to be Baltimore and the Marlins. <laughs> yeah. And the Marlins, I, it upset me, Sam. Speaking, you know, I know you're not like a giant Marlin fan, but you're still emotionally. I got my a ties. Fan. Yeah, I got my ties. It upset me to see how much they sold. Me too. Selling what? Lopez, Zach Pop, another reliever. Um, I'm, I'm happy they didn't sell Al- Alcantara. Um, but, yeah, just you would wish that for the Marlins, like they've been on the cusp of wanting to be good for like two, three years. And their number one depth in their organization is like young pitching. And so yep. they feel like they can trade Lopez, which I got. Because yep. they have Meyer and some other guys. Cabrera are... and they have yeah. Sanchez. They have other guys that can come up, but it's still, you can't hold on to everybody. And that's like what the White Sox have almost done. You can't hold on to everyone in the Marlins, like understand that. And maybe because the NL is so hard to make the playoffs this year that they felt like, ah, oh, we can sell and keep reloading. But like, dude, at one point, like. Yeah, but I don't think they traded Lopez. I didn't think they traded Lopez. They traded Pablo. He was going to the Yankees. I thought they traded Pablo. Um, I'll double check it. I'm pretty sure they traded Pablo. I thought they ended up not doing the deal. Uh, I think he ended up with the. Um, is there two Lopez's? Yeah, he's trade? still with the Marlins. Is Pablo he? Lopez stayed. Yeah, Jorge Lopez was, super was happy traded. Yeah, Jorge yeah. from the Orioles. Yeah. Yep, he got traded from the Twins. Yeah, no, I was so relieved they didn't sell Pablo. Yeah. That was my big thing. Then I got it twisted. Yep. Yeah. Because he, he had he had two or three years of control, and I'm like, dude, if they get rid of him, this is just yeah, like no. surrendering again. So I'm glad I I like the Marlins. I I I wish I wish nothing but good hope on them and goodwill because. They just want to be good. They, they just want to be good, you know. So they, many, t- dude. They've had multiple rebrands, stadiums, uh, statues in the stadiums, MVP level players in the locker room. It's just, it's I and, and I think this would be a great transition from the Miami Marlins, who are dying to be relevant, to the Miami Dolphins and their owner yep. Stephen Ross, who were literally cheating to be relevant and. Amazing report came out yesterday that Ian Rappaport said, and quote, it is the worst and most like out there tampering, just knowing the rules are there and not giving a fuck that he's ever seen. Like Stephen Ross telling Brian Flores, fucking lose. We want to lose trying to get Tom Brady and Sean Payton on the team when they were both under contract with other franchises. They have to give up a first and third round pick. First in next year's a third in a future. And a first in the NFL is like is absolute gold. Yeah, it's, it's literally gold. in terms of like if you just want to talk like monetary assets, you just gave up a twenty to twenty-five million dollar asset because you wanted to cheat. You know, and that's it's not and something that you like to give up. Five year talent. At right. Minimum of five year talent. Right. Period. And that's not <laughs> that's not something. And especially for a team that 
everybody's been saying they're really close to being good. They're really close to being good. They're really – and they just got a new coach. They got Tyreek. They got Tua. be a real shame if the Dolphins go through this year and Tua realizes he needs, a, like, a good left guard and they end up with, like, the 19th pick. be a real yep. fucking shame. be a real 100%. shame if that ended up happening. How long until Steven Ross is, like, put on the guillotine and, like, his head's cut off? Like, he and Dan Snyder, I feel like, yep. are just holding the league back. <laughs> and it's just so interesting how it all came out, like how Brady retired the day of the lawsuit filed by Brian Flores and just how it all happened. You know, yeah. Where Brian was right. You know, he was wrongfully fired in a lot of ways. I mean, they were colluding against him, you know, in terms of, hey, how do we upgrade with Sean Payton and stuff? And let's get it done before he was even off the books. <laughs> it's like a video game. Like, oh, let's Literally. go get Sean. Let's go get Sean Payton and then let's get Tom Brady. It's yep. like, hey, hey, Stephen Ross, and you they're both go get... rep by the same guy. So yeah. it's like, oh, let's oh, just... yeah, they'll never know. Let's go get Randy Moss two out of retirement and see if Ladanian Tomlinson would be my fucking running back. The thing oh, is, though, can we get Junior Seau out of the grave too? Like, what does Stephen well, Ross really want? <laughs> well, the thing is, though, too, is like, if it would have happened, nobody would have ever thought it happened in a period of three, four days. And that's, that yeah. takes planning. Like, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's like Sean Payton like, doesn't leave the franchise that he helped build to just be like, I'm going to be a free agent. Like, get me out of my contract and I want to be a free agent. I'm going to Miami. Oh, wait, Tom Brady. Oh, I think you're my contract. Oh, wait, Sean just happened to end up in Miami. I own property in Miami. Miami is Miami. Why wouldn't I want to live there? Oh, Tyreek Hill's going. Waddle's going. I yeah. can do that. And let's take a step back. Like, we're NBA fans. Collusion and tampering are oh, very real there, and they're not there's acknowledged. There's so much cheating in the NBA. Unless you're the Chicago Bulls and you tamper to get Lonzo Ball, then the league will step in and say you're you're the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, there but is so much cheating in the NBA. Literally, anything in life, any job you want, and it comes down to even professional sports, it's really about who you know yep. and who knows you. And these connections oh. are what getting or like what getting people these opportunities. And Stephen Ross is like, mm, I don't really have the connections, but I'm going to try and create them with Tom Brady and Sean Payton yep. illegally. And I'm going to try and get them to take the Dolphins to the next level. And it's like, bro, you can't just this isn't fucking Madden. Like, you can't just like no. do that. <laughs> Two things, though. I don't One. even first off, you can't even do what I'm describing in Madden. Like, that's just right. you can't possible. trade for a coach. <laughs> But the thing that I would say, I, they should add that though. That'd be a definitely sick should. One, if they lose, they lost the first round pick. But imagine if Brady leaves Tampa next year and goes to Miami still, where they're like, okay, we lost the first round pick. We got Tom Brady. So who really cares about the number one? We got him. <laughs> and they can trade Tua for a second rounder or whatever and try to flip that. But then on top of that, the biggest thing I've thought about with him going to Miami, besides like being the next great quarterback to kind of take over for Dan Marino, even if it's for a season, two seasons. You really think he's going to Miami? Like, no, I'm saying if it would have happened. Oh, okay. You know, he would have took over for Dan Marino. It would have been like Peyton when he went to Denver for Elway. Yeah. But imagine Brady. And this would have been the ultimate retire, like, last team. Has to play Belichick twice a year. Oh, yeah. That's... Nobody has really talked about that. I really thought about that the other day. Imagine he has to go to New England once a year for the final two years of his career. 
and it's a Belichick Brady Super Bowl. Well, we've always remembered throughout our lives, like whenever Brady and Belichick would have to go down to Miami, it was that a was a, that was a trap game every single Cuddy, time. Cuddy beat him in his final every season. Every single time Cuddy that was a trap him. game. For whatever reason, the Dolphins always have Belichick and Brady's number, and it's never made sense. And now that Brady's in Tampa – that team is now like the Saints. Like the Saints are almost yep. his boogeyman. Totally. And he beats them in the playoffs, but they are his boogeyman. <laughs> We're like totally. sees them in the regular season and it's like, oh shit. So yeah, I think that, especially for the like for the NFL, that I think they see entertainment as business and they see Brady on the Dolphins. They see the ratings skyrocketing and they're like, holy fuck, this the people might actually watch the Dolphins now. You know, yeah. Brady throwing underneath the, routes the to Tyreek. have a loyal fan base, surprisingly. Like, the games might not, when they're bad, aren't completely sold out. But what are they going to watch? The I, Hurricanes? I know a lot of Dolphins fans. What are they going to watch? The Hurricanes? People love the U. I love the U. Hard to right now. It's hard to. Chris Bowles bringing them back. The U's coming back, I'm telling you. But um, also, I think this episode's dedicated to Tom Brady because we're recording August 3rd on Tom's 45th birthday. He did it. And... Like, he's playing until 45. He proved everybody wrong. When he announced that six years ago, Max Kellerman's like, two, three years, Brady's going to be washed. And there's the six-year anniversary of that clip the other day. And Brady shouted that out. But it's just like, for Brady, like, what's going to be enough if he plays past 45? Like, is 45? Because before, six years was a lot of time back then where he's like, 45, oh, Mm. you know, do that, be done. But now he's like, you know, I was one of the leaders in passing yards last year. I won a Super Bowl two years ago. I led us to an unbelievable year still. Does he play till 50? Does he play till 48? How many more years does he have left? I honestly think at this point we should start putting Tom Brady and Ichiro Suzuki in the same conversation for people that can't hang the cleats up. They're addicted to their sport. Ichiro will come out for the first pitch for the Mariners and he'll go through his like legit pitching mm-hmm. routine because the guy pitches in the Japanese baseball league still at like yep. 46 or whatever. Yep. Like he, there is nothing I think those two can do outside of like playing, you know, and, and to see Which Tom, shows that they really love it yeah. compared to some of these guys who are like, oh, we love the game and they just get the paycheck. Then by 31, they're retired and like, oh, whatever. So that you makes know? me excited even more so for Tom to hit the booth. You know, because we've never seen an athlete like Tom Brady and just the dedication and and ability to want to win at every point and just the will to get as close as he does every single time. I think it'll be really cool to get that perspective finally in the booth because like Troy Aikman's cool to listen to guys, but he's punch drunk. Mm -hmm. He was led to by Emmett Smith and Larry Allen and that O-line. Troy Aikman, take him out, put in Tony Romo. Tony Romo wins those Super Bowls. Tony Romo's smart. He's not smarter than Tom Brady, I don't think. Peyton Manning was good at his job, but he was like a goofball on ESPN. Give me a serious Tom Brady. I'm glued for fucking three hours. Totally. Glued. Totally. Totally. So, I I, I look, he's playing at 45. How much longer do we think he plays? Two years. Yeah. Maybe one. One or two. But, like, (laughs) he tried to quit this year and it didn't work. Yeah. It depends what happens. And they say this, year. this could be his retirement tour, but I really think it's next year. I, I really, I, I think it, it is really dependent on like how this season if he plays even goes. past forty-five too. That's just really just like, well. Like think let's like let's the thing play. Too is like when he's performing so well at this level. How do you quit when you, you like he's talked about it before? He's like it took me twenty years to get all this knowledge and to let it all come together and click. Why would I give it up now when it's so easy for me? 
Right. You know? And let's just play like, devil's... When I have the keys to the kingdom, why give him up when I finally got the kingdom? Right. And let's play devil's advocate. He's got the kingdom. He's got the best wide receivers. Let's just say hypothetically, okay? Tristan Wirfs, God bless him. God bless. This is not me hoping for this, but this is hypothetical chess. Let's say he breaks his arm. Well, he got hurt yesterday. He had cramps. It was yeah. just cramps. Mike Evans dislocates his shoulder, loses all of his tendons, needs surgery. Chris Godwin breaks his ankle again or something. Okay, let's just say Tom Brady's whole offense is dead. I don't think he goes out on that term, you know? So no I, way, no way. So I think it is very dependent on, like, how this season goes and whether or not they get their shot. Because, like, last year, we nearly saw the Tom Brady classic of him taking it to the Rams, taking them to the last second, and beating yep. them to go back to the Super Bowl. And thankfully, unreal. the Rams beat them, and then they win the Super Bowl to prove that, like, Tom Brady was this close to coming back against the Super Bowl champs, beating them, and, like, going to play Joe Burrow, which would have been an unbelievable game, but he's still that close. And the Bucks, granted, last year, like, they had to bring Richard Sherman out of coaching yep. to yep. come in and be their DB. Yep. Like, they were they were patching holes together, and sure. he's like, dude, we can but fucking do this. Think about how unreal it would have been. Like, think about how long Burrow and – like Mahomes have in their careers where they're going to be playing a whole other generation of quarterbacks, really. And they're going to have in their portfolios, Super Bowl matchups against Brady. Yeah. Played that's Peyton, the standard. Like, you know, who played Kurt Warner, who played, you know, like, it's just crazy to think about all the people. That's, he played Jake DeLome. That's, and, you know. No, that's, that is Nick Foles, you know. Yeah. Nick that Foles, is yeah. the standard. You know, if you could say I've played you know, against Manning, like, it's Tom crazy. Brady in the Super Bowl, there it, it is almost comparable to like playing a Michael Jordan in it's a 100% final. Comparable. Because they don't lose. Or like a Bill Russell, RIP. Guy never lost Russell. an elimination game. Yeah, Bill Russell, being on that stuff. Never lost. Bill Russell, 11-time champ, never lost an elimination game at any no. point in his career, college, Olympic, professional and fun fact of the day too um he beat 1956 in the national championship iowa so you know <laughs> we 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 only lost the national championship in basketball because bill russell was playing i so honestly I really bet can bill take russell pride had like, in that he had like 35 points 25 rebounds 10 blocks before they were even recorded <laughs> like bill russell that's the craziest thing i think about bill russell wasn't blocks i don't think that stat was kept when he yeah. played yeah, and he Minus was like, and Bill Russell, like, obviously, people don't talk about that generation enough because it was so long ago. But everybody knows Wilt Chamberlain, hundred point guy. Bill Russell took Wilt Chamberlain's lunch money on the regular, on the regular. You know, like he was that dude. They named didn't they name the MVP after Bill Russell? Yeah, is that what they? Yeah, yeah. The like Wilt Chamberlain was the guy who. Had all the flashy stats, but Bill Russell was the guy who won. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's it's, like, it's kind of comparable, in my opinion, to like, you know, LeBron Jordan. Jordan won. LeBron had the flashier stats, but you know, that's a pretty that's an interesting more. You know, that's an interesting comparison, especially because like that NBA, the '60s and '70s, it was dominated by the big men. You know, because they just could not. You couldn't match up with like a Wilt or a Bill Russell or someone of that nature. But when you get to the next generation of basketball where it gets spread out, you see a Michael who's 6'6", 200, and people can't guard him. You go to the next generation, it's LeBron who's 6'8", 250, can't guard him. 
but one got the stats, one got the, the trophies, and it's there's always going to be that debate. But the only issue is in that like comparison, Jordan never played LeBron and like Bill took Wilt's lunch oh, money. Oh, and that's oh. uh, that's the issue. But that is it, I think that's as close of like a real comparison to like careers and like how people understand them as we'll get. Yeah. For sure. Um last thing, last thing I have before um we wrap up um WNBA. So Ooh, got some WNBA today? Yeah, a little WNBA. So we haven't talked about it in a minute. Um, the playoff picture is starting to kind of shape up before our very eyes. The Chicago Sky were the first team to lock up a playoff spot in Love the entire league. The reigning champs. Reigning champs, they are leading the Eastern Conference at 23 and 8. Um, the Aces from Las Vegas are 22 and 9. So it's looking like if I had to make a finals prediction, it's going to be the Chicago Sky versus the Las Vegas Aces. <laughs> I mean, the Aces are coached by Becky. Um... Hammond. Oh shit, that's an X factor. Huge. That's an X factor. Um, who's still on? The, is, is Elena Deladon still on the sky? No, she's on um, Washington Mystics. Mm, surprising. They're in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. You got Dallas, you know, creeping up. The team I want to see make the playoffs the, though is the Phoenix Mercury because this could be Diana Taurasi's last season. Is she the goat of like women's basketball? I would say closer. She's like the Kobe of women's basketball, is what I'd comp her as. And then you got obviously already in the playoffs, too. You got Seattle, the Seattle Storm with Sue Bird in her last season in the playoff run. So that would be my team as much as, you know, I'd root for the sky with, you know, Kansas. They won last year. I'd love to see um, Sue Bird end with number four, number four, number five. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm really feeling really, really feeling for the Mercury there, you know, with Diana. Especially I bet I bet she misses Brittany Griner. I bet I'm she sure. misses her. You know, sure. that's an X factor. Yeah, ring number five. It would be ring number five for Sue Bird. Wow. Sue Bird, you know, it, it the conversation goes magic, Larry, Jordan, Sue. Right there. Diana right there behind her. And then Maya Moore if she hadn't have quit. Yep. <laughs> True. True. I hope Maya Moore is doing good with her husband that got out of prison that I wait. So she, the story goes, she met this guy, I think when he was in jail and then she like fell in love with him and got him out. I think got him out. Something like that. Great love, man. Love is crazy. That's a crazy love story. It hits you in waves. Um, You have any crazy stories? Yes. Last, last thing. Bears talk. Um, this is actually interesting. Tevin Jenkins is not practicing for like today will probably be the sixth straight day. I'm assuming he isn't. They haven't put him on the field. I'm pretty sure it's because they do want to trade him. And I think he doesn't fit Poles's like yeah. culture model. That's and I think it sounds like I think Tevin's kind of a bitch. And it stinks yeah. because I wanted him. We were and that, so hype on him last bro, year. We were and like, steal at second round. Pace like. traded up for him. And obviously, for a first-round tackle that drops because of a potential back problem that you then trade up for in the second round, and he can't play until, like, halfway through the, his rookie year. You play him at a position he didn't play in college. He looks iffy. I could see why maybe he's not, like, fully on board right now. And I could see I'm why Poles. being all pro. Just watch him be an all pro. Watch him be an all pro. Like, watch. You know what, Sam? This is it. 
we we spoke of Tom Brady. We're gonna trade him to fucking Tampa or something. Like we'll yep. trade him to Tampa, yep. and yep. it'll it'll hurt. Um, we'll get like a fourth or fifth back, and we'll just move on. And I, it's just get another top fuck three up pick from, next year. Another fuck up we'll from Pace. Oh, top, top three, three? Pick next year. We'll no, I think I think they're gonna get seven wins. I've I've come oh. around to seven. Seven. I think Fields gets beat up. I think we're gonna. Have, I don't think they'll let him get that beat up. I think they'll I run the ball not. more. I think this is gonna look like a Montgomery needs to be healthy though. Yeah, I think I well, they have a ton of running backs now, so I think they aren't gonna let him get hurt. I think they're gonna go by committee this year. So if anyone's listening for fantasy advice, I don't know if I would take David Montgomery, just because they they drafted that like that Tristan Ebner. They have Khalil. They signed Darrington Evans. And it's a lot of running backs that can definitely play. And I probably assume they know David. I mean, David Montgomery doesn't run away from contact. Yeah. So, like, he's going to get hit. He's going to get hit hard. I wouldn't pick him in fantasy. I'd pick fucking Mooney in fantasy, like, oh, any day of the sure. week. For sure. I'd pick Komet, too, in fantasy. I would. I- I'm actually excited about Komet this year because this is Komet's prove-it year. I think he will, especially with like Getz's involvement in Green Bay and to see Robert Tunyon come out of nowhere, some fifth round yeah, boof. Yeah. I think you could see, I mean, I think Cole Kmet's a better athlete than Robert Tunyon, just size wise and what he's able well, he's to do. He's a Notre Dame athlete. He's How a Notre Dame be? athlete. You know, it's like uh, the Irish are just different. Nah, I think uh, Cole Kmet, Darnell Mooney, take him in fantasy. David, watch it. Justin, maybe, you know, that's a late round, maybe. You never know. I think Justin's going to have like rushing touchdowns this year. So I think that'll be a fantasy plus. Yeah. That'll be nice to see. I was watching highlights of them practicing and they were doing like every run play. It looked like they were making like a read. And I'm like, I love that. Like, we're not, we're not just like designing just straight runs up the middle. Give it a read. Give us some options. Give us some options. options. It's all we need. It's all we need. So give me, give me your, give me your win total. I, we do like every pod, but you, what do you think? Like five under. I've under Fuck five. Fuck you, dude. You're so. I've under. I have like <sighs> three or four. I have three or four. I think Fields is going to be good. I, I'm not worried about that. I think everything else around him is just going to be faltery. Like, and I do think the cultures, I think it's going to be, you know what I'm going to compare it to? I'm comparing it to the Detroit Lions last year. Okay. They came really close to winning big games, but couldn't pull it through. But the team culture was getting built. I think I said I have the Lions winning at least seven to nine games. So, so I think I said on one of our last episodes, I see them like having a better culture. But if they lose, like they have seven games that they lose by one score. Okay. Yeah. They're right fucking there. It's just a matter just of finishing be, games and they have be, a new yeah. coach. They'll figure it out. I just want there to be a healthy culture with the Eberflus because everybody's, ta- I don't know if you saw the quote, but. Trubisky was talking about when he was in Chicago compared to Buffalo. Mm. When he was in Chicago, he was like, I was playing the coach's game compared to Buffalo. They let Josh play his game. Yep. And I realized that's just a huge difference in how you mentally go into a game style, play everything. So I want that to be how we, we're doing it with fields. And I think that's what they are doing is letting him play his game. How do we work around you rather than here's what here are the plays we're trying to push out there just to prove that we're smart. So before we wrap this pot up, I have the schedule up right here. This is just a quick schedule. I'm going to put wins and losses. I'm going to tally them on the pad right here. So I'll just go through rapid fire. You tell me win loss. The 49ers at home. Loss. Okay. The Packers 
in Lambeau. Oh, okay. The Texans at home. When? The Giants in MetLife. When? The Vikings in Minnesota. Loss. I hate you. The Commanders at Soldier Field. Mind you, I think they can get this one done. I'm giving a win there, too. I'm already at three. Good. Patriots at Gillette. That's an L. That's a Monday night game, too. That's a fucking hard L. Uh, Dallas in Dallas, night before Halloween. L. L. Okay. This isn't looking good. Miami at home. L. But, I mean, it's like in in November. It's a noon game. I don't think we have. I don't think we have the defense to be able to shut down a guy like Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I don't think we have those types of corners yet to cover both of them. Uh, Detroit at home in Chicago. I'll give a win there. Okay, we're gonna pull one one division win. So right now, going into Week Eleven, they're five and five. Okay, that is exceed my expectations. There, you're right. You're right. That is something. Okay, schedule. Hold on, Falcons in Atlanta. Lost. Sick to my stomach. Jets at Jets. Loss. Dude, you're, you're sick. I'm sick of you. Packers at home. Loss. Philadelphia at home. Loss. Oh, my God. We have to win one of these. Buffalo no at home. That's a loss. I know. Sure. Detroit in Detroit. Win. I'll give us two wins against Detroit. I think we're losing the rest of the division. As we're pumping their tires. Vikings at home. Loss. Okay, so we went six and eleven. Okay, so I was. We're right there. Yeah, five, six, seven wins. That's what we're looking. The, at. I do think the Texans one's actually going to be a more competitive game than we think it will be. Ah, uh, yeah. Bobby, I like Davis Mills. Like, I, I, I'm interested. The Texans are the team I'm most excited to watch because there's so many unknowns. Yeah, I like. I'm excited to see the Texans. I'm really excited to see the Titans and if they go to Malik at any point this year. Yeah. Any point. Because it like it looks and like in kill camp they like him. for the season, though. Well, I don't like, know. It looked like in, in camp. Tannehill throws a, hit, a fit. Oh, fuck, dude. He, the thing you know, is, if he could get traded. If I'm, them, if I'm them, they have to do it before the trade deadline. They have to. Well, yeah. I they mean, I would trade. Tannehill I would there. trade Tannehill. I mean, I could see a scenario where the Niners have, like, they've traded Garoppolo away to, like, I don't know, the Browns or something, yeah. <laughs> let's just say. And then they need a quarterback because Trey Lance isn't getting it done. And, and, and Shanahan's like, I need someone that can play into my my zone run game. Perfect. Yeah, Ryan, T- Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ryan Tannehill would fit him He'll Matt Ryan. Yeah, that's that makes I too look much at sense. Ryan Tannehill, though. He's a slightly worse version of Jay Cutler. But I've always said him and Jay are very similar types of quarterbacks. I mean, nobody will have Jay's arm. Uh, Nobody will have Jay's arm. Jay's arm is an an anomaly. Tannehill throws more interceptions. Yeah. But Tannehill can run a little bit, or he used to be able to. Yeah, converted receiver. But no one's better than Cuddy's arm. (laughs) Nothing's better. Tom isn't better. Nobody has it. Nobody has it like Jay. (laughs) Nobody throws it like Jay. (laughs) All right. You got anything else? This was a good one. Oh. All right, Let's guys. Wrap this thing up. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll always be back. Summer's dog days right now, but football we got like under a month until it's fully back in the preseason. Yeah, preseason se- eight days. Yeah, football season between college and NFL. We're gonna be hitting the pods hard this fall. Are we ever? Like always, yeah. guys. Not same time, same place. We will see you guys later.